Welcome to B Squared, your weekly weather podcast. Meet Bonnie. She's from Oklahoma. Where the wind comes sweeping down the plain. A meteorology major and loves to chase. Meet Bobby. He's from Oregon. Going green. Greenage. Saddle up. You got it, boss. Oregon AMS vice president and a former TV weather producer. It's B Squared. Let's talk weather. Welcome into B Squared, your weekly weather podcast. I am Bobby from Oregon. And I'm Bonnie in Oklahoma. And Bonnie, it's still March. We are in the middle of it, coming toward the tail end. It's been a fun month. It's been an interesting month. Uh, We've gone from snow to severe storms to flooding to a record blizzard. And pretty much everything in the weather bag that's been shaken and spit out. So... Uh, I think it's safe to say that we've made the transition nicely from winter as we've come into meteorological spring this week. But Bonnie, it doesn't stop. It's constantly continuing. We're still seeing snow. We're still seeing rain and severe weather. And, you know, the third week of March, it's still here. Yep. Yep. Like like you said, it's been a meteorological grab bag this whole month. And... I mean, we're already getting severe weather in the middle of March, into March. Rick Smith tweeted, it's going to be a long spring. And it's true. It's going to be a long spring. And I'm excited. I'm down for that. But yeah, no, we've had everything, like you said. Right. And, and I like it. Yeah, absolutely. And I do too. And, you know, we will get into it here in just a little bit about, you know, the, the fun that you got to have yesterday. Uh, speaking of storms, but uh, like I said, it's still March. We're still in the middle of National Weather Podcast Month. Us and six other or five other podcasts um, involved in the initiative to make everybody weather ready. And again, every week and never fails. Just another reason why we have to be weather ready. Still have severe flooding going on. We have severe storms going on. We've had tornadoes. We've still had some snow conditions. We've had ice dam breaks. We've had levees fail. And all this comes back to that message of being weather ready. And Bonnie, we can't stress it enough. People need to pay attention. Yes. Yes. And I'm telling you, they're not. Um, One prime example, we've had a risk for severe weather this weekend. Pretty much all week, it's gone up and down a little bit. Um, They put out the severe thunderstorm watch yesterday at around 3 o'clock, I think. People, of course, are still driving out and about on a Saturday. Um, Northside Oklahoma City gets hit with some serious golf ball to baseball size hail. People stop under overpasses. Right. And that's, uh, I mean, listen, if you need to stop under an overpass to protect your car from hail, fine. But it's the last spot you honestly should be in the event of high winds or tornado because you're basically putting yourself now into a, you know, a wind tunnel, which is just going to increase the wind speed. But people you need to pay attention well and even i mean hail or not you cannot do that people weren't even just pulling over to the side of an overpass into the shoulder they were stopped in the lane okay it doesn't work that way folks and i mean that just causes on a highway on a major highway like you can't you can't do that anywhere but especially on a major highway and it, it's the same message as turn around don't drown it's it's simple it's common sense and people still do it and that is one thing that the weather service the weather stations people with common sense are trying to stress to people who don't have common sense to not stop under an overpass for any reason exactly it's just Get off the highway Right. I mean, just from the weather aspect aside, 
Okay, you're putting your life in danger and putting other people's lives in danger because if you are going down a freeway and you slam on your brakes because some idiot has stopped in the middle lane or the fast lane or slow lane under the overpass, you're effectively now putting other people at risk because you're being selfish. Yeah. And I mean, people are going 25 down the highway, you're going 65, 70. So if you come up to an overpass and everyone is at a dead stop, it's going to be real hard for you to come to a dead stop when you're going 65, 70 miles an hour. Exactly. You know, you mentioned Turnaround Don't Drown. And part of, like I said, the initiative with National Weather Podcast Month is we're airing these messages from James Spann um, from the Weather Brains podcast. And, you know, again, flooding is still the issue. It's affecting a lot of people still in the Midwest. You know, we, we talked about flooding last week, and I think it's very appropriate this week. So here's James Spann talking about flooding. Hi, this is James Spann with the Weather Brains podcast, and here's a message to get you weather ready. The spring season is here, and we want to prepare you for spring weather threats, which includes flooding. If you are in your car, do not drive into flooded roadways or around a barricade. Turn around. Don't drown. Water may be deeper than it appears, and it can hide many hazards like sharp objects, washed-out road surfaces, and electrical wires. A vehicle caught in swiftly moving water can be swept away in a matter of seconds. Just 12 inches of water can float a car or small SUV, and 18 inches of water can carry away large vehicles. For more information, please visit the NOAA Weather Ready Nation website at weather.gov WRN. And that was James Spann with the Weather Brains podcast talking about flooding. Bonnie, you mentioned it. Turn around, don't drown. We're seeing the impacts of flooding now pretty much from North Dakota all the way down the Mississippi. Um, and we'll get into this here in a minute uh, when we talk about what NOAA came out and said this week about their spring outlook. But, Bonnie, the flooding hasn't receded. Levees are still being breached. You know, the snow melt is occurring. The ice dams have broken. There's a lot of water and it's spilling into places that water usually isn't. And, you know, we say turn around, don't drown, but we really mean it. You don't know if the road has been washed out. You don't know if there are dangers or power lines or other obstacles that can create, you know, havoc when you drive over it. It doesn't take a whole lot of water, as James Spann just said, to move your car. Why would you risk it? Yeah, exactly. Especially low profile vehicles. I mean, less than a foot of water can can start floating so i mean and like you said the road may not be there and you can't see it and that is even worse like i i don't know the amount of times especially just here in oklahoma that we've seen water rescues after being hammered into our brains turn around don't drown turn around don't drown and people still do it I, i mean i don't know i mean i guess it's survival of the fittest that's the only way i can put it because people still do it and i mean or people think they're immune to it. It can't happen to me kind of mentality. Exactly. But guess what? It can. It really can. It can, and it does, and people need to pay attention. You know, we, we've talked about flooding, you know, as we saw last week. It's still affecting Nebraska, Kansas, Iowa, Missouri, now, you know, parts of Oklahoma and Arkansas. As this water makes its way down the Missouri River and the tributaries of the Missouri as they now dump out into the Mississippi, we're still looking at you know, severe flooding and flood warnings up and down the Mississippi, I believe all the way now down to the Gulf Coast, you know, and if not down there, pretty close. But when you look at what we're looking at, all this water has to move somewhere. And we know this and we say this, but man, yeah, it's it's insane. And, you know, I'm just quickly, you know, going quickly through this, uh, the National Weather Service offices up and down the Mississippi and all of them are under a flood warning. I mean, it's not that it's not going to happen. It's that it's happening now. 
and you know people have to pay attention and the millions of people that are being affected by it you know it's nothing to laugh at because you look at the damage it's doing to homes the damage it's doing to livestock and the crops um i saw a report this week that says this might be the worst you know harvest season come this fall in terms of crops because of all the damage that the floodwaters have done so it's an epi- uh, economic you know issue now we're going to pay now more for corn and green beans and lettuce and spinach and everything that's grown in the midwest because if these farmers aren't producing their normal yield less demand means more demand or less you know crops means more demand which means higher prices so it's not just a an issue of oh okay you got to remove some water from your farmland or your house it's an economic benefit and a decrease that's going to affect everybody else and so you know it's just it's one of those things where you just have you you have to pay attention because it's super important see and i never even really thought about that aspect like the floodwaters washing away that top layer of nutrient-rich soil and what i don't really know how farming works i'll just say that now but i'm just assuming that that's what it is is it's messing up the soil layers and that's why it's affect it's going to affect crops and everything and that's a very good point and people just like you said are it's going to affect everyone in different ways and people don't even realize it they're like oh it's not flooding at my house it's not flooding in my state so it doesn't matter but actually when you go buy groceries it is going to matter a little bit yeah. And that's crazy how it just affects everyone. It just trickles down and affects everyone. Right. You know, and severe storms, you know, why most for the most part are pretty localized. Uh-huh. You know, flooding is not necessarily that flooding is a wide impact. And, you know, you just said it there. Most people don't think about it. OK, well, it's not going to affect me. Well, yeah, it does, because even if you're not buying the crops that are grown in the area, Chances are you're still getting a package from Amazon or UPS or FedEx. Well, most of those are taken by truck in the United States, if not by plane. Um, You can't drive over washed out roads or washed out bridges. You can't use rail freight. You can't use airports that are partially underwater. And there are a couple that have been, you know, and we're lucky for the most part. It's, you know, the flooding in the Midwest has it, that part I will say is localized, but it still affects a lot of transportation. You have major freeways, you have I-80 and you have other freeways that are, you know, constantly used as hubs and transport systems use these. And when those roads are closed, it takes delays. And so it just because you're not buying a crop, there are other parts of your life that are being affected. And flooding really is the one thing that I believe affects everybody pretty much you know, across the board, because we depend on this land for either crops or transportation or other uses. And when that's not available, it does affect people. Yeah, definitely. And hopefully that those waters start to recede soon. But I mean, there's been a lot of snow in the area too the past few months. And so the soil is just saturated and it just can't hold any. And so that's why it's, it's not going anywhere. It's just stagnant and sitting there right which that's a whole other issue stagnant water is really not good for for people and animals and stuff so exactly you know and if you you know if your house has been affected by by flooding you know i hope one i hope you have flood insurance and that's that's another thing that really kind of gets under my skin most americans don't have flood insurance because they think oh it won't happen here yeah well guess what it's not just you know a creek or a river or that type of flood it's a hot water heater 
It's yeah. a burst pipe. It's something in your house that can, that constitutes a flood. And insurance agents will tell you this. You have to carry flood insurance. It's just I know you have to pay extra for it, but for that, for the peace of mind, it's absolutely worth it. Because Definitely. You know, it's just you have to have it. And, you know, we talked about Noah's outlook. And earlier this week they issued their spring outlook and they went in and they did a flood risk analysis. And for the spring flood risk potential that from basically from March through May, from anywhere, like we said, from North Dakota all the way down to the Gulf, especially along the Mississippi River, the spring flood risk potential is major. And we're looking at it again, as we've said now, in the areas of Nebraska and Iowa along the Missouri River. And basically the following states, and I'm going to read a lot of them, are in play for basically moderate to major flooding. And we're looking at North Dakota, South Dakota, Nebraska, Kansas, uh, portions of Texas, uh, along the Mississippi River, Louisiana, Mississippi, Arkansas, Tennessee, Kentucky, Missouri, Illinois, Iowa, Wisconsin, and Minnesota. Oklahoma's not on that list? Oklahoma is in the minor risk for spring flooding, but it's not. That's so weird. How is Missouri, Arkansas, Texas, Kansas (laughs) all at risk, and then Oklahoma's a weird, like, bullseye? (laughs) Well, so here's here's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking because we already know that the Missouri River is over capacity and are already experiencing major flooding, right? The, the Missouri dra- you know, dumps into the Mississippi, and so you have all that water. And so I think a lot of the main tributaries that feed into the Mississippi are the reasons why those areas are. Texas, I mean, I'm looking at this map, and again, I don't know if the Red River is included in this, but it looks from basically like points from Dallas-Fort Worth on a southeast line down to the Texas-Louisiana border are you know in that area. But no, I mean, basically... Uh, Eastern Oklahoma is in a minor risk and, you know, then you look at other states, uh, basically all the deep South looks like that they could be in a minor risk for spring flooding potential, uh, up the middle mid Atlantic, the great lake States, uh, up the East coast seaboard. And then, um, it looks like upstate New York, uh, Vermont, New Hampshire, and Maine also have a moderate risk for spring uh, flood potential. So then when you look at that, then like, okay, well, then that means they must be anticipating more precip. So the spring outlook for 2019 is uh, areas in the uh, Rocky states. So you're looking at uh, Utah, uh, Wyoming, Colorado, northern New Mexico, the panhandles of Texas, Oklahoma, uh, Kansas, and Nebraska, and South Dakota are chances are, are basically wetter than normal. So equal chances better, wetter than normal uh, as we go into the spring. And then, of course, the deep south. So Texas, Louisiana, uh, Mississippi, Alabama, Georgia, South Carolina, North Carolina, Virginia, um, state of Florida as well. And then you get toward uh, out toward uh, the East Coast, um, up around like Washington, D.C., out to uh, Maryland and out that way again what are the normal chances me in the pacific northwest i have a drier than normal chance uh for spring outlook and so that just affects the states of oregon and washington but i mean they're saying for two-thirds of the united states you have a better chance that you're going to have what are the normal conditions and then when you go and look at the temperature outlook the northwest which we just talked about being extremely dry they have greater than normal chances of being a warmer than usual spring Yikes. Yeah, well, then, but you guys in the upper Midwest and down into the Central Plains 
are a lower than, uh, you have a cooler than normal chance of temperatures. And then oh. basically from the Mississippi east, um, and the further you or closer you get to the east coast, the ch- better chances are of having a above warmer uh, chance for spring. So uh, the west coast and the east coast look to be you know, warmer than normal, while the plains have a chance of uh, being cooler than normal. So that's NOAA's outlook and temperature. It correlates pretty well with, you know, what we're seeing with the, with the precip as well. But, mm-hmm. Bonnie, we're into spring, and, you know, more water, more storms. Uh, it's here. Well, I mean, if, if the temperature outlook's going to be a little cooler than normal around here, that might hinder um, some severe weather action, because that was the issue yesterday here. And not getting a tornado out of that supercell was that the temperature was just a little too low and the moisture was just a little too low. And so, I mean, it might not be as active as a spring, which is kind of a bummer. Right. But as you mentioned yesterday, you guys had storms and the north side of Oklahoma City uh, got the party started. And, you know, you and I were trading texts back and forth and we had seen stuff on, you know, our apps that we were looking at and different people were live. And, you know, I know that you were watching NCAA basketball and they were doing the dual screen, doing uh-huh. the double box of, you know, severe weather coverage in basketball. But Bonnie, talk about the storms that fired up north of Oklahoma City. Man, they they issued at around three o'clock, they issued a severe thunderstorm watch for a good portion of, of central Oklahoma, um, effective until 10 p.m. They anticipated storms to fire around four, and it did right right there, northwest side of Oklahoma City. Supercell went up. Um, it was probably more like west of Oklahoma City, but it went up, started moving east, and it. I mean, it got organized. It it weakened, fell apart a little. It got organized. It weakened, fell apart a little, and it tried really hard to put a tornado down. It had a funnel. It had a lot of rotation. It had some good sky clouds and wall cloud and. It, it tried. It really tried. And it, it was a temperature issue. It was just a little too cool for it to get something going. But, I mean, it it lasted a while, and it went for a while. And then later in the evening, a nice little line of storms formed from about the east side of Oklahoma City down to the southwest, which was just east of me. It, like, went through Norman, um, a little further southwest of Norman. So I was looking east. There's a very good picture on my personal Twitter page that I'll tweet from the weather podcast page that's a panoramic photo i took of that line of storms and it looks really good but i was kind of bummed i didn't get anything but of course i was watching watching this storm happen but you know a lot of the models said that that's what would happen is a decent supercell on the north side of Plum city and then a line of storms and i mean that is exactly what happened like to a t it's what happened which is incredible to me Right. And, you know, we had when you and I started trading text messages back and forth, you know, when we were looking on the radar, it looked like it had a pretty decent hook. And as you said, it was really, really trying to put a storm, a tornado down, um, you know, so it created the, the funnel, as we know. And you said there was storm rotation. Talk a little bit about the temperatures then. If, you know, did you need it to be a couple degrees warmer or was there too much cold air getting into the, you know, on the inflow or what what was the dynamic there? Yeah, it was just a little too cool. What we needed was higher 60s, low 70s, and especially the further east the storm got, it started getting into um, low 60s, maybe a 59 or 58 degree area as well. And so that was the issue is it was just, we needed to be a little warmer. We needed a little bit more moisture um, to create that instability. 
Um, there was still enough instability in the air to cause some decent hail. There's some good pictures of like hail piled up in people's yards. Looked like it had snowed, like just piles and piles of hail. And it ranged from nickel size, quarter size golf ball, some areas with some baseball size hail. Um, the north side of Oklahoma City and into Edmond really, really, really got hammered with some hail. Um, you know, and that goes back to the stopping under the overpass thing that we mentioned. But it, it, yeah, we just needed a little bit, a little bit warmer, not much, but a little bit. So hopefully as things start to warm up, the ingredients will be better for a little action, you know, and I don't, I don't mean to say we sure. want some tornadoes, but you know, we, we, we want to see some interesting phenomena go down. So we need that, that temperature and that moisture content to be there for that. Question for you yesterday, was it more cloudy on the east side of Oklahoma City? Is that why the temperatures were kept down throughout the day or just a different air mass? I think just a different air mass, you know, and of course, um, what fired these storms up was a dry line coming mm -hmm. across from the west. So that's our classic setup there. Um, but yes, it was just a different, different air mass. And that happens where the east side of Oklahoma can be cooler at times than central and western Oklahoma. Gotcha. Well, but I mean, it, it kept it going still. It still right. went for a while, but it just wasn't. It uh, it tried so hard. A for effort for that supercell because it really, really tried to put something down. It it tried so hard. Right. Bless its heart. And and you know, you made the point that, you know, it formed and then died out, but it went through the classic thunderstorm life cycle and it did it multiple times, which, you know, is also very indicative of what a supercell tends to do. So <laughs> You know, that that was pretty cool. And I love the fact that you guys did get the other storms that formed on that line. And again, you know, the initial push, I think, and again, this is me sitting, you know, 1500 miles away. Yeah, it pushed with the dry line. But I think the secondary line that formed was actually the dry line, again, reinteracting with the yes. drier air mass and, you know, trying to get some of that moisture up over the top of it. So, yeah, well, and we had had rain early, early yesterday morning and so i think there was um different you know boundaries and things sure. left over from that that the dry line was interacting with and and that's the interesting thing is like you'll get these little boundaries that interact with each other and that's what sparks those storms and it can just be from anything a storm dying out another air mass just different things like that and it's just it's just fascinating and i'll tell you you know and i don't i don't mean to drop names or support certain weather stations but i do watch a certain weather station feel free to uh, it's okay it's news nine here in oklahoma uh david payne's the chief meteorologist there and he just really does a good job of explaining what's going on and why like and using scientific explanation but also bringing the jargon down so that anybody can understand it and so he just does a really good job of explaining why this happens why the supercell had the shape that it had um everything and so i really like to watch him for that reason and when he explains it it doesn't come off as condescending or arrogant it really comes off like hey i'm going to educate you and and help you understand why it looks like this why it gets this shape why it forms like this and what causes it to die and strengthen and things like that. And so it's that I really like that. And I, I learn something all the time from him. So, I mean, just going to throw that in there. No, and it, it's really important because, you know, um, I, I don't want to go back to last week's episode where we talked about, you know, people complaining about, 
you know, severe weather coverage cutting into a golf tournament, you know, and you said yesterday that when you were watching the storm coverage on News 9 that, you know, they're the CBS affiliate, and so they have, uh, you know, the NCAA basketball tournament on. They're contractually obligated to carry it, and people care about it, and so that's why. But they did the right thing where they did the double box because you still want to be able to see the game, and mm-hmm. your sponsors still want to be able to, you know, have people see their their ads but you also have to keep people safe and when you have baseball size hail and yeah. you have you know tornadoes and everything else it's really important that people pay attention and so i think they're doing the right thing but it's great that you can you know if you can explain it in non meteorology terms i think it helps people feel better it keeps them safer and i really believe that it's uh in the end is really important because they can relate to it. Like you don't have to say, you know, Oh, well we have Supercell super cell X, Y, Z, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Just tell me. Yeah, well, it, and, and being Oklahomans, a lot of us understand sure. some of that more scientific knowledge just because of, you know, Absolutely. every spring we go through it, but it's just, you know, for him to explain some more of the atmospheric dynamics and why things happen and make it understandable. It's just, I think that's really good. So, you know, props to him for that. And, you know, maybe he'll listen to this podcast and want to come on and speak. <laughs> I still say you need to invite him on. We, I, I'm, I want him to come on and chat. So definitely, well, I'll, I'll try to reach out to him. We'll see what we can do. Yeah, we got to make it happen real quick. What do you guys have coming up weather-wise in Oklahoma City? You know, uh, some nice weather actually. Sixties, um, low seventies, a um, couple of cloudy days, a little bit of rain chances next weekend. But pretty much that's it. Some nice sixties and seventies, which is good. Some chill, nice weather will be good. I want to get out. Um, walk the dog, play in the yard, have some yard work I'm trying to do. So it's nice. Like if we can just be calm for just a little while so things can, you know, we can take care of business outside and then let's get the spring going. Let's get it going. Well, up here in the Pacific Northwest, Bonnie, um, it's sunny today as we're taping this on Sunday. However, our weather takes a drastic turn for the worst. We are going to get into that typical spring pattern for us where, uh, showers on and off every day, rain every day, um, the GFS has been waffling back and forth where, you know, the 12Z run will say, oh, we're going to be super dry. And then the 0Z run says it's going to be wet. So um, going off of my, you know, my bias in terms of what the National Weather Service forecasts, I believe they forecast off of the 6 and the 18Z GFS, but that's just my opinion. Um, so, yeah, they're saying rain. So I don't know. It's going to be one of those ones where flip a coin. We might wake up one day and it's completely sunny and the next day it's completely rainy. So um, I wish I had a better idea what's going to happen. So right now I'm going to say showers for the next six days. Nice. That's good, though, especially if it's going to be warmer than normal coming up and possibly drier than normal. Like, the more rain, the better right now. And our snowpack, thankfully, because the months of, you know, as we talked about on the show, December and January were really, really warm. Uh, our snowpack was really in rough condition. However, we rebounded with a very, very cold uh, February. Uh, it's still pretty cold in terms of temperatures here in March. So our snowpack has now met the normal threshold, and we're just continuing to build on it. So that is good. So again, like you're right, if we are cool and in the 50s, that means the mountains are still getting a lot of snow. More snowpack means more available runoff in the spring and summer. So fingers crossed that it helps keep our you know, summer season uh you know, let's tamper down in terms of fire. But uh, again, that's still yet to be seen. So hopefully we continue to build snowpack. Um, 
let's just keep keep the snow in the mountains. That's the best. We don't want the early runoff because that will lead to some spring flooding. But so, yeah, keep the snow in the mountains where it belongs and uh, we will see what happens. Yeah. Yeah. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed for some good action and uh, non-drought, non-fire summer. Exactly. And that's that's the best for everybody. Yes. After being basically smoked out last summer, we would like a nice normal summer with very, very few uh, wildfires. That'd be nice. Right. Like we're all still recovering from being charred. So if we could just <laughs> keep that off for a while, that'd be great. That is very true. Uh, as we get down to the end of mo- uh, the month of March, we do want to remind you again, we are taking part in National Weather Podcast Month. For more information, you can find out about us and our sister podcast shows at weatherpodcastmonth.com. Search us on Twitter uh, using the hashtag NWPM. Uh, you can follow Bonnie and I on Twitter at weatherpodcast. Uh, you can follow us on Facebook at B Squared Weather. We're also on Instagram at Weather Podcast. Uh, we're all over the socials. It's what we do. We're really good at it. So make sure you follow us. Bonnie's got some awesome uh, storm pictures that she is going to be putting up here on the Twitter and Instagram pages. So be on the lookout for that. She gets most of the fun in terms of the spring weather. I get most of the fun during the summer. But uh, between the two of us, we have the weather story covered. Right, right. So here comes the exciting season. So stay tuned. Right. Cannot wait. Cannot wait. Bonnie, another great episode of B Squared, your weekly weather podcast. I'm Bobby in Oregon. And I'm Bonnie in Oklahoma. And we will talk to you guys next week. Bye.